Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast from Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Please be joined by former Raider great Stanford Rapp. Stan, the Raiders are bringing the Patriot way to Las Vegas. On Monday, the team held a press conference introducing Dave Ziegler as the new GM and Josh McDaniels as the new head coach. The two are very familiar with each other as they were college teammates at John Carroll University and then 10 years in the NFL. First one with the Denver Broncos, and then the next nine with the New England Patriots. Stan, you like the hires? Oh well, I said uh, said just last week, or sorry, the week before that I wanted to have a uh, very creative, innovative play caller, and uh, we got that with uh, Josh McDaniel. So we all know what he can do on the X's and O's, the schematics. We all know what he can do. We've seen him with Tom Brady, Mac Jones. We've seen him with the New England Patriots, all of that. But I think uh, with him, it's just going to be a matter of. And he said it during his press conference that. He was he was a little green. He was young. He was he made mistakes with the Denver Broncos when he was the head coach there. And hopefully he's learned from said mistakes. So uh, I'm very interested and eager to see if he has learned from his mistakes. And I think that uh, for him, it's just going to be a different transition of which Josh McDaniels is going to come to the black and silver. Is he going to try to employ that Bill Belichick, my way or the highway type of mindset? Is he going to be more of a player coach? Is he going to be in between? Who knows? Uh, Only time will tell. But I think he's going to have to be able to handle distractions. This is not going to be Patriots West. You're dealing with a different grade of players. You're dealing with, with a different grade of mindset within players. They're not ingrained to literally be robots and always say the right thing, do the right thing, and never step out of line. So he's going to have to do some disciplining with the, uh, when it comes to other uh, players. But also I think that the main thing is can he handle adversity? Can he handle distractions? And he's probably going to have to deal with that probably in this first season coming in the fall. Yeah, before we get to uh, Josh McDaniels, my take and some sound, I want to play some sound from the GM, uh, Dave Ziegler. He talked about how he wants to make the Raiders perennial contenders once again. The stadium, the facilities, the weight room, the training room, the locker room, I could go on and on. Um, it, it, it really is. It harkens back to a phrase made famous by um, the late Al Davis, Um, there really is a commitment to excellence when you walk into this building and when you walk into this stadium. The the phrase commitment to excellence resonates uh, with many of my core beliefs and a lot of the foundational pieces um, that will be important to building a championship culture here. We'll be an organization that lives in the details. No task will be too small. Every task will be measured with the same standard of excellence. We will hire excellent people that are driven by team and that are loyal to our cause. We'll strive to have high-end communication at all levels of the organization 
which takes effort and takes time to build. We'll be demanding, but never demeaning. We'll invest in the growth of our employees and have them reach their goals. The fabric of our culture will be to evaluate and evolve consistently and constantly our processes and our people to make sure that we are always operating at a championship level. Being committed to the standard of excellence is going to occur from the top down, and it's what, we'll take, it's what it will take to build this organization into an organization that consistently competes for championships. All right, Stan, this duo obviously comes from an extremely successful background. McDaniels won six Super Bowls with the Patriots, while Ziegler's won three. Uh, you hit on it earlier. McDaniels uh, has been a head coach once in 2009 when he was hired by the Broncos, but he was just 32 years old. That didn't go particularly well. He was fired before the end of the second season. And then in 2018, he agreed to take on the Indianapolis Colts job, then backed out before returning to the Patriots. And here is Josh McDaniels on how he's different from his time in Denver. The last 10 to 12 years, uh, I've really had an opportunity to grow as a person, as a coach, as a man, um, and try to figure out, um, you know, after my experiences uh, in Denver and, and St. Louis, um, who I am, uh, how I wanted to be defined uh, in my career, uh, what I wanted to represent, and how I would lead the next time if I, if I got another opportunity uh, to be a head coach. And I've, I've, you know, it's crystallized for me. I'm clear in the vision that I have uh, for this role, for this job, for this team. Um, and I'm going to be myself. Uh, and I think that's really important uh, for me um, and our organization as we go forward. Um, I'm the son of a football coach. And uh, I, you know, I don't apologize for that. I knew I wanted to do this uh, since I was four or five years old. And um, I love everything about this game. I love the practices. I love the weight room. I love the film study. Um, I love the winning and losing, even though nobody wants to lose. Uh, that's how you get better in this game. Um, and all the challenges that are presented in terms of trying to reach your ultimate goal in this profession, uh, all of those things are uh, part of the process. And if you didn't love a part of that process, uh, it, would, it would be a problem. And I love to work hard. I'm going to be committed to the cause, which has been made very clear to me. I know it's clear to Dave. Um, I value character, hard work, loyalty. Um, those are really important things to me. Um, and I also think that it's really important as I've grown uh, and understand now how important it is to evolve, uh, to innovate, uh, to do new things, to try to figure out new ways uh, for us to uh, continue to try to be the best. Um, a wise man once told me that when you're young, you try to accumulate and advance. And when you get older, uh, you figure out that it's a lot more about serving and impacting others. And I think I've gone through both phases and I learned a lot through my experiences. And now I'm excited to have that opportunity uh, to consistently impact other people. All right, Stan, like you said, you cannot argue with his resume as an offensive coordinator. I mean, I know he's working with Tom Brady, but look, like you said, he also had Mac Jones this year. Look at all the success they had. Look at a time uh, when Brady, I think, missed the 2008 season and Matt yeah. Castle was the quarterback. Look how well Matt Castle played. Matt Castle never played that well again. Uh, and we he went on did. to be the starting quarterback with the Kansas City Chiefs. So we know that the Raiders offense, I mean, Stan, I'm willing to go to Vegas and bet money that the Raiders offense will be much better under Josh McDaniels than under Greg Olson. I don't think there's any question about that. But can 
he lead a group of men? Can he lead 53 men on a daily basis and show that he was different from his time in Denver? I think that's just going to be the big question. And can they build off of what they did last year when they went 10 and 7, when they went to the playoffs for just the second time since 2003? I think those are the big questions that we're all just going to have to sit and wait and let's see what he and Ziegler can do. I know that. Uh, I thought it was going to be Harbaugh. I did. I thought it might be even uh, Eric Bieniemy. I, you know, for me earlier in the podcast, I said, "Hey, look, and my first and only call is going to probably be to Kansas City and see if the Raiders can talk to be Eric Bieniemy." So, look, Stan, I think the big question now is Derek Carr is in his final year of his contract. He's scheduled to make nineteen million dollars next year. Hmm. I got to believe at this point they're going to bring Derek. They're going to sign Derek to an extension. How long and how much money? I'm not sure. But do you think Derek's future is with the Raiders as well? Oh, I think that remains to be seen. I think uh, there's a good chance that you might see Josh McDaniels. He may come in and he may not be all the way sold on a Derek Carr. There may be certain things that he feels that Derek Carr needs to improve on as far as being more consistent, pushing the ball down the field a little bit more, sometimes not getting so gun shy, and then also being able to come out in the first quarter with that same vigor that he has in the fourth quarter whenever he's willing this team back to a victory and then pulling them into the playoffs like he did down the stretch for uh, for much of the last 2021 part of the season. So I could very well see them actually letting Derek Carr go into his contract year as the proverbial lame duck just to see what they can bring within him because, you know, within the New England Patriots, they have no problem moving off of guys. And I'm pretty sure Josh McDaniels already has his own mindset of, okay, what am I looking for in a quarterback from all my years in New England? The actual pressure of playing for your next contract or playing for your proverbial job or your starting role, that is something that Bill Belichick, he relishes. He believes that you need to be able to handle pressure. You need to be able to perform under pressure. I'm not just going to hand you a new contract just because, well, that's what you do with quarterbacks. You don't let them go into their contract year, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, you look at the uh, that New England Patriot mindset, or should I say the Patriot way, I could very well see the Josh McDaniels and Ziegler combination of allowing Derek Carr to basically play his way into another contract. But like I said, to your point, I think if Derek Carr had gone to the divisional round, beat the Cincinnati Bengals, I think we're having a different conversation as far as Josh McDaniels' confidence level within Derek Carr, but that didn't happen. So once again, I think it's still up in the air as far as where his mindset would be on where Derek Carr is going to be for the year 2023. Yeah, just look at the quarterback market out there. And Stan, I mean, Aaron Rodgers might be available. Russell Wilson might be available. But if those two aren't available then I'm, I'm going to stick with Derek, I think, and I'm going to give him a, uh, at least a two- to three-year extension. I know, as we know, the fan base, when it comes to Derek Carr, it's, it, it's a lightning rod of controversy. Half the, absolutely. They, half the fan base absolutely loves him for what he does on the field and his leadership off the field, and 50% just want him gone, say get rid of him, but we'll see. Uh, obviously, time will tell. The free agency begins in March, and the draft is in April, and it's uh, in Las Vegas this year. Stan, before we move on, there's one more thing I want to talk about, and that's the outpouring of love from the Raider players for their former head coach, Rich Bisaccia, which, by the way, the previous Raider coaching staff had never heard a word from Mark Davis, which to me is complete BS. You know, I think there's, you know, you played at the University of Houston. You played several years in the NFL. I'm sure there's a coach that, you know, impacted you both on and off the field. I played high school basketball for four years. I had four different coaches. There was certainly a coach that impacted me. But 
This is what Nate Hobbs had to say. He put this out on Twitter, and this is what he had to say about former Raiders head coach Rich Bisaccia. And it went like this. Dear coach, honestly, I don't know where to begin, so I'll just say by saying I love you. Since I was 12, I didn't really have a father figure in my life until later, after which he passed away. In 2021, Coach Gruden stepped down and you became head coach. That year, I met another man in my life that believed in me and loved me like a brother, a feeling I hadn't felt in so long. You were the only person I would allow to curse me out severely, then tell me you love me two hours later. One thing I admired about you so much is that when things got hectic, you remained even more poised. Two things you taught me in life. I'll carry the rest of the lifetime. Nobody gives a F heart and smile on your face. Mm-hmm. That's that, that that's deep and that's good, man. Oh, no doubt about it. And I think uh, I remember seeing on Instagram right after the Cincinnati loss in the wild card round, how uh, Rich Versace actually was doing handwritten letters to all the players. I thought that was big. Right. I thought that was humongous just because he could easily go uh, type out a letter on the computer and then just cut and paste each name and send it to all the guys. But whenever you do something handwritten, it just gives more of an authentic type of feel because you actually sat down, you got a pen, you got a paper, like it was old school, and you actually wrote out your thoughts. So obviously, all of those letters are going to be different for every individual as far as his interaction with them. But I think that it just also speaks to how even on the high school level when I where I coach at the collegiate level things like that it just also speaks to for Nate Hobbs you see Nate Hobbs had the DUI right after the Indianapolis Colts win and then obviously we see just about a week ago I think he got cited again for going I think 100 miles an hour on the highway in Vegas or something like that but it just goes to show he said it he never really grew up with much of a father figure and when he did he passed away so that's also another component as to why when these young players come into the league, they make dumb decisions. There's no doubt about it. Like Henry Ruggs, dumb decision. And he's going to have to pay for that for the rest of his life in various different ways. But it just also goes to show that when you're young and you may come from an upbringing or a background where you don't have both parents in the home, you don't have said upbringing where you got two parents, where you're receiving that level of guidance from a mother and a father collectively, things like that, that has an impact on you growing up to be a young man, to a man, even an elder man in many aspects. So I think that also just goes to show that for coaches, not only are you just telling a guy X's and O's, you're also being like a father figure. You're also helping raise young men to now be fathers, to be husbands, things like that. So I think it just goes to show in a broad aspect of how that's all around positive. So I definitely love what Nate Hobbs said. Uh, when I saw that Rich Bisaccia wrote those handwritten letters to all of the players in the hotel room, it looked right. like after the game, to me, that just spoke, it, it just spoke volumes beyond belief of how personal and how willing he is to be vulnerable and actually connect and mesh with the players of not just coach player, but brother to brother, father to son, and all of that. Yeah, I agree. I look at wherever Rich Passaccia lands, the next team's getting a great special teams coach, but no they're getting an it. even better person. They're getting a wonderful, wonderful person. All right, before our next topic, let me get a sponsor read in here. And well, let's talk a little Super Bowls. The Rams are four and a half point favorites over the Cincinnati Bengals in Super Bowl 56. 
And for much more on that game, you can head over to Bet Online. Now, obviously, moving forward, there's going to be a lot less football played, but Bet Online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From score, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website. To sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, just use our promo code BLEAV and get started. And it's not just football. BetOnline's got basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Stan, NFL certainly making a lot of news uh, off the field as well. On Tuesday, ex-Dolphins coach Brian Flores, he filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL and three teams, including the Miami Dolphins, New York Giants, and the Denver Broncos, alleging discrimination regarding his interview process with Denver and New York and his firing by Miami. Now, Flores also alleges Dolphins owner Stephen Ross offered Flores $100,000 for every loss uh, during his first season. He also alleges the Giants interviewed him to satisfy the NFL's Rooney rule. Stan, what do you make of all this? <laughs> uh, well, for one, there's nothing going on that we didn't already know. That's number one. <laughs> I think that's pretty, yeah. pretty apparent. Uh, but, you know, hearing everything about uh, Stephen Ross offering him $100,000 per each loss, almost kind of like a like a, a losing incentive or a losing escalator in his contract. I, I, I understand it. I understand. It. I don't agree with it by any stretch because Wait, ownership. Which part, don't you, which part don't you agree with? I don't agree with wanting the team to tank oh, because right. okay. coaches and players are wired differently. Coaches and players, we deal with the hand that's in front of us. Owners are looking at, oh, if we lose and we get the number one overall pick, we can go and draft this hotshot quarterback or this hotshot defensive end that can change the complexity of our team or just the outlook of our success. Yeah. You could also go to Vegas and bet everything on black and lose everything and now be bankrupt. So players and coaches, they're going to do their best because that's our resume that we're putting out there on that football field. We're not about to go out there and intentionally go 0-17 or 0-16. We're not going to do that because that's attached to our name. You as the owner, you're a billionaire. So, like, whether the team wins and loses, it don't matter. Your legacy is already set. All your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, all of that, they're already set for the rest of their life. So these are players trying to gain that generational type of wealth. This is a head coach who's trying to win so he can get into the playoffs so he can actually show that, you know what, I deserved to be hired as the head coach of this franchise. So it just goes to show the disconnect with what the players want, the coaches want, and how it's so different from the owner's outlook. But there's nothing that happened that we did not already know. It's just that now with the release of the text messages with Bill Belichick and, uh, and a Brian Forrest, that now peels back the curtain a little bit. But even then... I, I, I'm very interested to see exactly what else is going to trickle. What else is going to is going to trickle out of all of this throughout the investigation, the discovery, things like that. If it actually gets to a trial, because like I've said before, 
within the NFL, it is a good old boys league. It's a good old boy system where you see guys that are going to hire their buddy. They're going to hire somebody that their wife's brother-in-law or something like that. Or some, uh, I used to play with that. I used to play with that guy's dad. I'm now hiring his son to be my GM, things like that. There's always going to be that relationship type of uh, type of merit that everything is going to be uh, somehow, some way uh, influenced by. So I think that as a black coach, you understand that, yes, you're against the eight ball. And, and, and when he said he was humiliated to have to go sit in that, in that, in that meeting room, Doing that interview after already hearing that Brian Dayball has already basically been touted as next in line to be the head coach. It just hasn't been released. It hasn't been official. It hasn't been put in print yet, per se. Yeah, I can definitely imagine how frustrating and how humiliating that could have been because it's just breeds so much of the hypocrisy of, okay, we're just simply doing this for the Rooney rule. We're just simply dotting our eyes, crossing our T's. We're going through the motions. And yeah, it's frustrating. So I definitely look to see how this is going to play out. I do have my apprehensions. I do have my doubts on how deep is it really going to affect change because we look right now with the Houston Texans. You got Josh McCown, who is being heavily considered. Josh McCown has never been position coach, coordinator, what have you, any of that. So there's certain white coaches who have been bypassed, who have been leapfrogged for them to put Josh McCown as an actual candidate of, of being a head coach for the Houston Texans. And I played with Josh McCown 2007 when he was with the Oakland Raiders. Good guy. I'm just simply saying as far as earning his dues, I'm sorry, paying his dues, earning his stripes, gaining those accolades, gaining those accomplishments, which then makes you qualified to be a head coach. There's a lot of white coaches that would push back and say, no, he doesn't deserve it. He hasn't earned it yet. And that's why I say it is still subjective along with objective of how a team chooses their head coach. It doesn't always go, okay, well, this guy's the most qualified, so we're giving it to him. It's not always about that. That's why I say it's subjective along with objective for the New York Giants. Maybe they feel that, okay, you know what? Brian Dable coached in Buffalo. Mind you, Brian Dable was our quarterback's coach uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs when I was there in 2012. But what I'm saying to you is maybe they feel, well, Brian Dayball understands the state of New York. He understands the, the media in the state of New York. Maybe that could be the, the what tipped the scale. So that's why I say to prove it is where that's where the burden lies on a Brian Flores. And I'm not sure as of yet, as of yet, if there's enough evidence to prove without the shadow of a doubt to actually get the NFL to buckle to its knees and actually admit fault and actually say, you know what? We have been doing this. We have been going against and colluding against black potential head coach candidates. That's where I am. I am cautiously optimistic. But like I said, I still reserve my doubts because of everything that has to fall into place for this to actually come to fruition so it can affect change. All right. Before I give my opinion on Wednesday morning, Brian Flores was on uh, CBS Mornings. And here's what he had to say. So last week, um, I interviewed for the Giants position. Um, I was set to interview on Thursday, the, the Monday prior. Uh, before, before I interviewed, I received a text message uh, from Bill Belichick saying congratulations on the Giants. Basically, essentially, congratulations on the Giants job. Um, uh, there was a little bit of back and forth. Um, yeah, we have the text messages here on the screen. Yeah, there was some back and forth and some confusion uh, because yeah, you haven't sat down with the Giants yet. I have not sat down with the Giants. There was some back and forth, and I, I just uh, I asked him, "Is this, are you talking to the right Brian?" Hmm. Um, 
And uh, as you, you've seen them through the text messages, he was actually uh, uh, thought he was texting Brian Dayball. Who they ended up hiring. Yes, sir. So at that point, how did that make you feel knowing that you were walking into an interview where a decision might have already been made? Uh, it was a range of emotions. Uh, humiliation, uh, uh, disbelief, um, uh, anger. Um, and I've worked so hard to get to to, um, to where I am from uh, in football to become a head coach. Um, put 18 years in, in this league, and it was uh, uh, to 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 go on at what was going to be a what, what felt like or what was a sham interview. I was uh, I was hurt. And, but you uh, went knowing that you probably weren't going to get it. Why, I did. why did you continue to go? Uh, I think. I, I, there's still hope. Maybe it's called it, call it the audacity of hope. Um, and uh, I, I was, you know, I have a belief that, you know, there's good in people. I, I just do. Um, we and, knew uh, he wasn't getting that job. On the day before that, that Giants interview, we, we reached out to you, CBS, to, to, both, to all of you to, yeah. to start talking about doing this interview today because we knew he wasn't getting the job. We knew it was a setup. We knew they were just trying to comply with the Rooney rule. We started drafting the complaint, and, uh, and here we are. All right, at the end of that soundbite, that was Flores' lawyer, Doug Wigdor. And once again, that sound courtesy of CBS Mornings. All right, Stan, you know, like you said, this is a, the owners are a small little group. There's only 31 of them. The Green Bay Packers are, are, are club or do not have an owner. But, you know, it's a billion-dollar business. I read the Denver Broncos might be sold yep. for $4 billion, Stan, $4 billion. That would be a record for a franchise. Yep, and, it would be. Stan, I'm not going to... You know, can I get really get mad at Mark Davis for hiring Josh McDaniels as his head coach? No, the guy's got a proven track record as an offensive coordinator. He's got these Super Bowl rings. Could I get mad at the Minnesota Vikings if they want to hire Jim Harbaugh? I mean, the guy's had success in the NFL. He took the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl. But Stan, I know something is wrong when 65 to 70% of the NFL players are black and there's one black head coach. And that's Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who's been there, I believe, for 15 years. Yeah, 2007. Yeah, he's arguably one of the top five coaches in the NFL. I know there's something wrong when you have to implement the Rooney rule in 2003, and we still have it. That tells me what the NFL was like then and what it's like now. It's not right. I know that black coaches have a shorter shelf life. I know that when a black coach gets fired, the chances of him getting rehired are slim to none. We know there's problems and we know there's issues. And what Brian Flores has done takes a lot of courage and a lot of guts, Dan, because you know what? He just might have committed coaching suicide. I don't know if a team now is going to hire him because of this. He could be the, the Colin Kaepernick now of coaches, Dan, moving forward. And the guy can coach. He can. But I don't know if he's going to get another job now because of this. And the courage and the strength that he showed to do this I don't think a lot of people have the guts to do it. I don't. Or they would have done it a long time ago. Yeah, um, especially with him being, especially with him being 40 years old, still young in his coaching career per se. Yeah, this definitely could be the kiss of death or it could be, you know, the death penalty per se as far as him with all these owners. But I can tell you like this, DA, the only way for this to truly, truly change is you got to get different ethnicities you got to get minorities in those owners chairs that's the only way and i say that because once again jerry jones paul allen 
the Glazer family, the Hunt family, the Mara family, Woody Johnson for the Jets. I can go all the way down the list. Well, four billion. Who can afford four billion? It's such a you'll be surprised. (laughs) You'd be surprised. But the thing is, is that that's what makes the NFL. That's why it's a private entity. Like the NFL is not a type of a. It's not a nonprofit. Right. It's not no. publicly traded. Nope. You can't just go and buy stock for the New York Giants. Can't do that. Nope. You can do it for the Green Bay Packers because right. like the city of Green Bay owns the Packers. But what I'm trying to say is, imagine this. Imagine, let's say, DA, you want to buy a new car. Let's say you want to get a Maserati, something. Costs, let's say, 130, 40, 150. I'm not even sure, but I'm just throwing out 150. Well, all of a sudden, you decide that, hey, I want to, uh, I want to get a Maserati, and then I have to go and pay for it. But then all of a sudden you get to the dealership, they tell you, hey, well, go stand over there in that room and then we'll go and we'll, con- we'll confer with each other and we'll decide if we will vote you eligible to buy that Maserati. That's what it's like to get an NFL team. You have to be approved by the owners. Right, right. So not only do you have to have the money, you got to be approved by the owners. And guess what? You think the owners are just going to sit, sit up there and allow somebody who's going to push back against them and call them out on, hey, what you just said, that was gaslighting. What you just said, that was passive aggressive. What you just said, that was a, a transgression. That was racist. That was prejudice. What you just said, that was a microaggression. They're not going to go ahead and bring somebody in there who's going to call them out. They're not going to do that. that so that's why I say that it, it will not change unless you see ownership change how it is with the dynamic within the ethnicity, the race, which is, which consists of, uh, like I said, the entire owners. Dan, there's one more point in this, and it's what Brian Flores said about he was paid, he was offered, allegedly offered $100,000 to lose games by owner Stephen Ross. Stan, the NFL needs to investigate that because if this is true, if there is any validity to that, that means that the Miami Dolphins were fixing games. Their owners wanted these games fixed. Yes. And he needs to be out. He absolutely needs to be out. There's no room in the game for someone like that who wants to fix the games so his team loses. And that right there is why, like I said before, that's just the difference in ownership's wants versus coaches' wants. Now, I'm not agreeing with it. I'm not, I'm not saying that like it's right. But yes, I do believe that there's going to be something that has to come down for that, right? Because now we're actually seeing the proof actually out there for that. So there's definitely going to be some sort of punishment. I don't know if he's going to be forced to actually sell the team like a Donald Sterling type of situation, but you're going to, ha- you're going to see a stiff penalty just because if for Roger Goodell, like he has to do something. I don't he can't care if just he works sit on his hands because I believe he's got to do it, something. Yeah, because it's going to be a media uproar if all of a sudden that is being released. That is out in the public, and he does not do anything. So I think you're definitely going to see something happen when it comes to punishment on that end. Nobody likes to hear that T word, that tanking word, Stan. That is, yeah, that is taboo all. in all sports, absolutely. So, all right, man, got another sponsorship uh, to read here. And what I'm about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just the GOAT on the field, but he's a GOAT when it comes to investing as well. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. Yes, art. Now, you can invest like the GOAT with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. Art prices actually outpace the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 to 2021. 
In fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR in 2020 and 2021 from the sale of just two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like the GOAT. Plus, you can get priority access with our game day promo. Go to masterworks.art slash bleed. That's masterworks.art slash B-L-E-A-V. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. And speaking of the GOAT, Tom Brady on Tuesday, Sandy made it official. After 22 seasons, he's hanging it up. I know you played against him a couple times. What do you remember going up against him? Oh, man. Uh, what don't I remember going up against him? Uh, obviously, a uh, fierce competitor. Very accurate. Very decisive. Very precise with his ball placement. Uh, very precise. Very decisive with where he decides to simply go with the ball. Obviously, we all know that he's a he he's a top notch he's a top notch competitor. He's a champion, uh, the greatest of all time. Retiring as the all time leader in what passing yards, completions, uh, touchdowns, like seven. He's got Super more Bowls. Super Bowl victories than any other franchise in all of the NFL. And I think it just goes to show that I heard how somebody said that he told Robert Kraft, "I'm going to be your best draft pick ever." And, you know, with a six-round pick telling the owner that, usually they're just kind of like, hey, man, like, just worry about making the team. Right. Less than trying to be the best pick ever that I've made. So that right there, just having that that wherewithal, that confidence from, the, from a very young age, from being very young within this league of knowing in his ability, believing in his ability, I think that right there is top-notch. And you go and you just see the – the, uh, the documentaries, you see the specials that they did on him where he literally is tearing up. I'm talking about like this is maybe Tom Brady in 2014, and he's literally reenacting back when he fell in the draft to the sixth round, and he's tearing up. Guys like a four-time Super Bowl champion at the time of this interview, and he's tearing up because he's going back to that time of, you know, thank God that now I don't have to sell insurance and, you know, things like that. It just goes to show that for him to be able to continue to have that fire after one Super Bowl in his second season, then a second one, then a third one. And then he went a whole decade before he won another. Right. To still have that burning fire and to not even subconsciously, inadvertently rest on his laurels, that to me right there is probably the most fascinating trait or characteristic of everything, simply because it's very easy to think, okay, you know what? I can now coast. I can get comfortable. He never got comfortable. And that was that fire that always burned inside of him. Inside of him. He always felt like I'm the sixth rounder. I'm the undrafted guy. I got to continue to prove myself. And I think that right there is probably what always fueled him. Even in probably Bill Belichick having that cold type of demeanor, that cold type of embrace that he always had probably helped Tom Brady always stay on his toes. And then also, I'll, I'll go ahead and leave it with this. Uh, we played the New England Patriots back in 2011. They beat us. And I remember uh, in that game, the starting receivers were Wes Welker. It was Deion Branch, who was a Super Bowl MVP the year that they beat the Eagles uh, down there in Jacksonville. I remember playing against Deion my rookie year in 2005 in the slot. He spun me around like a spinning top all day long, or should I say all night long, because it was Thursday night football. Uh, that was my first, my, my very first game in the NFL. I'm playing Nickelback, which I had never played before in my life. Deion Branch had his way with me. So obviously 2011, I'm a vet. I know what I'm doing. I'm playing out there at corner. And Tom Brady really didn't try me much that game. Kind of stayed away from me a little bit, not to say that I'm Deion Sanders or anything, 
but Tom Brady did not really try me as much as I thought he was. And then after the game, I'll say this, and this, and this is just the giddiness within probably even the kid inside me that still loves this game. After the game, everybody's, you know, shaking hands and Tom comes up to me, he says, Hey, he said, good job, Stanford. And I'm like, Whoa, like he called me by my first name. He didn't say two six. He didn't say route. He said, Stanford. I'm like, Oh shoot. Like Tom Brady, like knows my name, like not my last name, not my Jersey number, like my name. So that right there was like, Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I guess I'm, I guess I'm not, I guess I'm not doing too bad out here. Uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was probably one of my fondest memories on top of obviously watching him in all the Super Bowls, the Atlanta Super Bowl down here in Houston, where they came back from being down 28, three, but that was probably my most personal embrace my, sure. per, my most personal interaction with Tom Brady. But nonetheless, like I said, uh, great guy, great player, the best ever. And, uh, this league, this game will sorely miss him for years to come. Yeah, I do agree. It's a changing of the guard. I mean, think about it. Brady, Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, uh, Eli Manning. You know, it's Dan, after all his accomplishments, and he's got so many wonderful, and he's, you know, obviously he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I just admire his longevity, how, yes. how somebody could play in, the, in that game for 22 years and lead a team at 43 years old to a Super Bowl. And then Stan, 44 this year, I, you can make the case that he was MVP. I know, I'm sure Aaron no Rodgers is going to get it. No doubt about you it. You can make a case that Tom Brady was this year's MVP, and now he's going to walk away. And one of the things that you hear a lot of players, and I remember John Elway said this after he retired. He won the Super Bowl. He was the MVP of the Super Bowl. He said, I physically can't do it anymore. And it just crushed him to say that. And Tom Brady, in his mid-40s, still playing at that high level, is going to walk away from the game because he said he wanted to play to 45 and I believe he could play to 45 and the way he's playing Stan, unless all of a sudden he dropped off a cliff, I wouldn't surprise me if he was still playing well at 46. Oh, no doubt about maybe it. Even 47, you know, yeah, so because just, his longevity is the thing that has impressed me more than anything else that he's accomplished. And it's because you look at all these flash in the pants quarterbacks, like the Lamar Jackson, the Josh Allen, or uh, let's say another uh, young phenom type of quarterback, like a Kyler Murray. Tom Brady knows, hey, man, listen, this pocket, that's where it's safe. It's safe. I'm going to stay my ass in this pocket. I'm going to get the ball out quick. One, two, three, ball out. One, two, three, ball out. Oh, the uh, the uh, the offensive line is kind of breaking down. The pass rush is getting to me. What does Tom Brady do? He literally hits the deck. He dies on the ground. You're not going to just get those bone-crushing hits on him. That's how he was able to stay in this game and have the longevity that he's had because he knows exactly how to do that. And that's where the younger quarterbacks, the younger generation are going to have to learn that. But Tom Brady knowing, hey, I'm going to get this ball out quick. I'm going to be precise with it. I'm going to know what the defense is doing before they do it. That's going to give me an extra leg up. And then, like I said, he's going to just let his playmakers go ahead and do everything. But yeah, uh, to your point, just taking care of his body, just the all-around mindset of I want to win I got to know how to win I got to put my teammates in the best position but I'll say this I remember when the report came out I believe it was that Saturday morning or Sunday morning right before the game against the Los Angeles Rams that they lost about Tom Brady is you know I'm, you're hearing reports swirling about Tom Brady's mullet retirement this and the other and so I'm thinking okay you know what maybe it's maybe it's about time uh, the fact that this report is being out, somebody's willing to let it leak out. So that means Tom is probably really thinking about it. And I can tell you this. I remember watching that game. 
against the Los Angeles Rams. They're down 27-3, almost the same exact score as them being down to the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl back in the 2016 season. But I can tell you this, and I don't, and I'm going to make a statement, but I guess you could form it as a question. I don't know what it was, but they were down 27 to three. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing like trash and they're, they panned to Tom Brady on the sideline and Tom Brady had a calm look on his face. He did not look disgruntled, angry. He did not have that fire in him. And I say that to say this, Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, always wanted to chase Jordan. Always want to have, he always wanted to match six rings so he could be like Jordan, wanted to be better than Jordan. Yep. And then obviously 2013, Kobe Bryant tears his Achilles. And then we see, I think it was the patella tendon or something like that something in his like knee, that, yes. then the shoulder. And Kobe Bryant's last couple of years, he didn't have that same mamba in him. And not because in any way that he cheated the game. But what I'm saying is you could tell there was a point where Kobe Bryant was like, Okay, I got five. I'm not going to get six like Jordan. And I'm okay with that. I'm at, I'm at peace with it. I'm okay with it. And it seemed like he just started to enjoy the game of basketball like he was back when he was in high school. I'm out here playing with my buddies. I'm having fun being a grown man, playing a kid's game. And it seemed like that monkey was just off of his back. And I feel like for Tom Brady, that game against the Los Angeles Rams, the divisional round, to me, I saw the same at peace type of emotion on Tom Brady's face of, okay, we're down 27-3. We came, we stumbled out the gate. LA got up on us. It's not the end of the world. We're probably going to lose. I'm okay with it. That's that that right there to me is what I saw in that game. But I'll let you go ahead and uh and give your rebuttal. No, all good. I couldn't agree anything more with you. Like I said, I just his longevity was the thing that stood out uh, the most to me because, like you, you kind of talked about Kobe, and I, and I think most athletes, the body eventually betrays them, and Tom's body never betrayed him. And what he was doing in his mid forties to me is just absolutely uh, what he did was was absolutely remarkable. And I don't know if we're ever going to see anybody in any sport stand basketball, baseball, football, hockey, play into their mid-40s at the kind of level that Tom Brady. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be a long time before that happens. Yep. All right, my man, I got one more uh, read here before we get the heck out of here. And it's, uh, you know what, what's more important than peace of mind? Well, absolutely nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats you face today on the internet, it is even more important than ever be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either and plans start under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe, or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day 
money back guarantee. Well, my man, plenty of NFL news off the field, and let's be thankful that we've got one more game to play this year. It'll be the Bengals and the Rams in the Super Bowl, and we'll uh, hit on that more next week. All right, man. You know I love it. Absolutely. Partner, good at show as always. All right. You be good, man. Be safe. Uh, We will go ahead, hop on next week. (laughs) We will indeed. And that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Rout, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts find the coffin corner. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.